Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., and we're broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management uh, and more specifically, digital project management today. Before we jump into the show, a few announcements for everyone. I just want to take a moment to congratulate all the winners in the PMO Global Awards. Uh, they just recently announced those winners. And uh, a big congratulations to Dubai Customs from the UAE, which was named the PMO of the Year, Badir Bershad from Saudi Arabia, who won PMO Leader of the Year, and then the guest we had on our last show, Peter Taylor from the UK. Congratulations. He was winner of PMO Influencer of the Year. So congratulations to all the winners. A reminder, that conference is still ongoing, and I would recommend everybody attend. It is free. And there are over 300 sessions that you can go out there and get amazing access to content uh, and interviews. Uh, so head out to PMO Global Awards Conference and you can get access. Also a reminder as we're inching closer to Veterans Day here in the U.S., as you all know, I'm of course aware and support veterans. Uh, my nonprofit organization, VPMMA, is holding our fall fundraiser starting on Saturday, November 7th and running for a week. You can go out to thevpmma.org to learn more how you can participate in our virtual run-walk fundraiser, how you can be a mentor, uh, and then actually just put up an auction site as well to bid on some uh, cool items that you can take advantage of. Finally, thanks to our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're home of the purpose-driven PMO. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn how the squad can support you and your team with our resources, training, and of course, our purpose-driven PMO. So I'm super excited today to have Ben Aston joining us. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. And if you could please introduce yourself, share a little bit about yourself with the listeners. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, my name is Ben. I'm um, originally from the UK, but now I live in Canada. I'm in um, on the West Coast in Vancouver. And yeah, I'm a I'm a digital project manager by trade. Yeah, I love making things happen, and um, particularly in a digital world. So that is me. So you know, the thing we we've talked a little bit before the show. We've we've had a couple an opportunity to connect, and um, you're doing some amazing things with your own podcast and website and building a community. And we're going to jump into all of that today, of course. But just the phrase, right, digital project management, what, what is that? And is it different from what we consider to be traditional project management? Uh, tell us a little more about that. I often, I often think about like, project management and the way that uh, different people uh, like to brand things in different ways. Uh, and when I think about digital project management, um, I often talk about it. It's kind of like a, a bunch of milkshakes and um, 
I think of, you know, as project managers, we're all milkshakes of one kind. And digital project management, I think of as like a flavor. So we're strawberry. Um, digital project management is a is a flavor of project management. And that flavor um, comes from uh, the environment in which we're delivering projects. So they're digital, <laughs> not wanting to offer too much of a tautological definition there, but we're, we're delivering stuff, we're making stuff happen in a digital world. So the things that we're delivering often involve megabytes and pixels and data. Um, and that's what, for me, kind of denotes that it's the flavor is digital. Um, but beyond that, I think there is a something maybe slightly different about digital project management when we think about the tool set that we're using, uh, the skill set that we have, um, and maybe the mindset as well, uh, which is definitely more agile, value-driven, orientated perhaps than traditional project management. But I think there's a skill set as well that's emphasizing maybe soft skills more um, and a tool set that's obviously digitally orientated. So we have this tool set, mindset, skill set, and we have this environment that we're delivering things in, which is very much to do with data, megabytes, pixels, screens. Um, so it's a, it's a flavor of project management rather than, I think, anything particularly distinct. But I think in some ways, those characteristics do make it unique and make it more perhaps easily labelable, if that's a word, <laughs> than, uh, than other flavors of, of project management. It's interesting you say that. Uh, I mentioned PMO Global Awards. They've got a discussion forum group and an app that they're supporting as part of the conference. And just this past weekend, I was chatting with some folks on there about this, you know, the agile versus waterfall argument. And I said, listen, it's just like ice cream. Some people (laughs) like vanilla. Some people like chocolate, but they're both awesome because it's ice cream, right? So, so <laughs> yeah. to hear you draw a similar analogy with the flavors, it, it's true, right? It, it, the digital is different than an agile, is different than tradi- uh, traditional. So it's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. But guess what? You can get all three of them together, right? And you can have an amazing ice cream experience. Yeah. What have you found that maybe makes you want to taste that flavor of strawberry a little bit more maybe than some of the others. Yeah, so, yeah, I grew up, I guess, in the, just as the internet was coming online. So um, I fondly remember getting my first CompuServe. I don't know, is that was CompuServe a <laughs> yeah. thing in the States? Yeah, yeah. I so those, I remember yeah. getting my first CompuServe CD, um, which you used to buy magazines and um, you get a CD on the on the magazine and it would give you like 30 minutes of internet i'm not quite sure how it worked <laughs> anyway you'd you buy the magazine and it would give you access through your dial-up modem your 33k modem yeah i skipped i skipped the 14k modem i was straight at 33 wow and um Fancy. yeah that was that was it that was i'd buy magazines to get access to the internet and um set up my new email address every time so, because that's what you have to do. Um, and uh, yeah, get online. And then I got online and thought, man, this is so exciting. Um, and soon began realizing that I didn't know what websites to go to. That was the first thing I discovered when you went online back in the 90s. Um, I didn't know where to go. But I discovered soon that you could yeah, make your own websites. So 
probably at age 13 or 14, I started making my own websites, which for me was incredibly exciting. It was the idea that, yeah, I could make something and someone on the other side of the world could see it and look at it and comment on it. Um, And digital was just facilitating this connection that we didn't have before. It was enabling me to build things that I you know, wasn't able to build before. And for me, it just opened up this whole world of possibility. And as someone who likes building things and making stuff happen, I really was excited by the opportunity to build stuff. Um, so yeah, I built a bunch of websites. One of my first websites was uh, a satirical online newspaper that I think predated The Onion, um, <laughs> but it was called Such Times. And um, I did that with some friends from school. Yeah, that was just, it was just super fun. And I think for me, I have always enjoyed the rapid evolution in digital. The fact that next month, something new could happen that would enable you to do something even more fun. And uh, so for me, that constantly evolving, constantly changing, ever extending possibilities is what gets me excited about the world of digital and projects in that environment. So, I mean, you just took me on a trip down memory lane. I can remember uh, in my apartment, just had moved to Atlanta, had a computer being online, and I'm a big sports fan. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can go find out all the scores of the games (laughs) at once. And I don't have to wait for the newspaper to to come out the next morning and read this. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that world of possibility, that moment where you realize, oh, wow, you could do so much stuff. And um, I think that's what, yeah, it's that um, amazement uh, that really gets me excited every day when I think, man, I wonder what technology is going to come out next. I wonder what we could do. Um, That for me is super exciting. Well, and through that, you say you're creating. um, And we both know, of course, part of the creation, whether it's intentional or not, is project management, right? There's a sequence of activities and managing the risks and issues. How did you stumble into hey, there's project management as part of this this building. How did that become part of the equation? Yeah, so, so I was going to go to uh, university to do computer science. Um, and I thought, hey, I love building stuff. I'm going to become a computer scientist. So I actually spent a year working for the Ministry of Defense as a front-end developer. Uh, then realized sitting in front of a computer all day coding stuff just wasn't my jam. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was fun, but it wasn't when you did it full time. It wasn't that fun. I enjoyed working with people. So I decided to do a hard pivot. And I decided at that point, I wanted to get into marketing and communications. So that's what I did. I went and worked uh, for some above the line advertising agencies. So I worked at an agency on the Stella Artois account. I worked at Publicis. So I spent some time at some big agencies, traditional agencies doing TV, radio and press. Um, But then I realized that, uh, or maybe they realized, (laughs) maybe my, I I kind of got the feedback that, hey, your fingers are in too many pies. Um, You're not really, because I was an account manager and I was looking after the brand and the relationships, uh, but wasn't so, but always was excited about making things and doing stuff. That's kind of where I really kind of hit my stride. So Anyway, I discovered there are these things out there called digital agencies who are doing marketing and communications, but in a digital world. Um, And that's when I made the transition to a digital agency. But actually, it wasn't until a few years in working for a digital agency as an account manager that I was recruited to the role of producer. 
And so I was told by the recruiter, hey, yeah, being a producer is kind of the same as account management. Um, You'll be fine. Uh, But yeah, I quickly realized when I uh, began work as a producer that it really was a project manager. And so on day one, I distinctly remember being told, okay, Ben, yeah, great. Well, we've got this project. We just need you to pull together uh, the timeline and the budget and the statement of work. (laughs) And um, yeah, there you go. Have at it. And I'd never even... I mean, I'd seen a Gantt chart before, but I'd never created one. So day one of my role as a producer, it was a bit of a um, wake-up call when I realized I had just been uh, nominated uh, as the project manager for the project, and I had no idea what I was doing. So that was a bit of an awakening for me, uh, a very (laughs) rude awakening uh, into the world of project management, which, to be honest, I found pretty tough. I hadn't had any training for it. So day one, I got on YouTube and had to learn how to use Microsoft Projects. <laughs> what an introduction. And, and really, I guess your start's not that much different than a lot of project managers, right? Uh, almost, I don't know, I should go back and check this, but I bet two-thirds of the guests we've had on the show mm. tell me they started out as, you know, an accidental project manager, someone that, he, my, and myself included in that, right? I didn't know I was a project manager until my boss asked me, hey, how's the project going? <laughs> I was like, the what? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, but that's how we get started in this. And we don't have training, right? How, so, you know, a YouTube video is great, but I'm sure along the way, you've had to hone your skills and, and get more professional um, yeah. and get some training and certification. As you know, as you mentioned, sitting behind the desk coding all day might not have been the most fun thing. Well, you know, sitting behind the desk and getting Microsoft Project training is not the most fun thing either. <laughs> How, how do you go about, you know, getting educated to become a real project manager at that point? Yeah, so thankfully, I was surrounded by some really, really well-trained, qualified people who had time to help me out. So big shout out, particularly to Barney Voss. There's a guy who particularly helped me out uh, in my early days and showed me the ropes. But really, it was it was, it was a baptism by fire. It was learning on the job. As much as you can get training, and I think training is helpful and useful, there is no substitute for experience. The great thing about the world of digital is that you're in particularly marketing and communications is that the projects that you're going through are, are pretty quick. They are you know, not typically no longer than six months, rapidly going through a series of projects. Um, so yeah, the learning curve is pretty steep, but you encounter lots of different clients and stakeholders, lots of different situations uh, really quite quickly. So yeah, my training was really learning on the job. And then later on, I got some more formal training. I did my Prince 2 um, certification, but kind of by that point, I felt like I'd, I'd, learned, I'd learned the things it was trying to teach me on the job. So, and, and that's why Actually, for the digital project manager, one of the things that we launched a couple of years ago was our own online training course for digital project managers. So specifically thinking about the context of the digital world and some of the pitfalls and challenges of delivering projects in that environment, uh, we developed our own training course uh, to help people who are new to project management or new to um, managing perhaps slightly bigger projects in a digital world uh, adopt a more robust approach for thinking about the way that they initiate, plan, uh, manage, and control, and execute um, their projects. 
Yeah, so let's dig into that, right? You, you kind of just threw that out there in passing. Uh, uh, digital project manager is is not just a phrase, right? You actually have a, a website for this and it mentioned training. You've got a podcast. You, there's a an empire that you're building, right, to support this brand that, that you have. Tell us a little bit more about that community um, and, and how you've grown from that or benefit from that and what, what value it provides to those within the community. Yes. So, I mean, I mentioned just a minute ago that baptism of fire that I had, yeah, making that transition into project management firstly and how I how I found it really tough. And so a few years into um, being a digital project manager, or probably it was about seven years in. So it was back in 2011, I started the digital project manager website. And really the idea of the website initially was I thought I'd write an ebook. And then I thought that in order to build an audience for the ebook, um, I'd release the ebook as blog posts over the course of a year. So um, I haven't quite finished that ebook yet. That's one project <laughs> I've still got to do. Um, well, it's but only I did been do seven years. <laughs> <laughs> so in the process of this, though, I began writing this content, writing these blog posts. It surprised me, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, people were coming to the website. People were discovering it and saying they're finding it super helpful. Uh, and so, yeah, over the course of nearly the past 10 years, um, we've been producing content and have now um, created a community uh, around digital project management, the largest digital project management community out there. So these are people who are working in digital, maybe they're working for a digital agency, maybe they're in-house at a large organization in a marketing department, uh, or maybe they're just in an organization where they're delivering digital projects or even products. Um, And so what we wanted to do was create a community uh, where people can connect with one another. I think that connection is super important, where you find your tribe, where you get connected with people who are like you. So I think fundamentally what it's about is about connection. Um, And then we wanted to help people become more skilled. So over the past nearly 10 years, we've been creating content, we've developed a training course, and we wanted to help people become more skilled. We wanted to help people succeed. Uh, so it's about connecting people, um, helping them upskill. And when people are connected and upskilled, it then gives them confidence. And I think that is super important when you're um, delivering projects in order to help you be decisive and in order to help you make good decisions. Uh, but really creating this framework and this community for people to get better, to succeed in what they do uh, in the digital world. And I'm going to make the assumption website URL is digitalprojectmanagement.com or projectmanager.com. Actually, it, it, it's, it's the digitalprojectmanager.com. Yeah, maybe I should buy digitalprojectmanagement.com. I don't know who has that. Hey, nobody. We're live. Nobody right go now. out there and yeah. There's going to be a mad dash to see who can get yeah. there first. So the digitalprojectmanager.com. Yeah, and out there the the training is there like community aspects where people can join discussion groups. Uh, what other services yeah, are so, out there with that? Yeah, so we've we launched a membership last year, and the membership. At the heart of the membership is a forum. So we've uh, we have a forum where you can connect with other digital project managers. And what we like to talk about is that we're writing a playbook for digital project management. And I see this kind of at odds with um, the PMI's Pinbock, where. 
they there is a textbook that's released. Um, it's set in stone, and then you're tested on how well you know a book. Um, we're trying to take the opposite approach, which is, hey, there's more than one right way of doing things. And so let's write this playbook for managing digital projects in a digital world together. And that's really the purpose of this forum and this community. It's let's help one another get better. Uh, let's share lessons learned, what's working, what's not working. Um, let's write the plays uh, that we can employ and use in different situations, using different technology, working with different kinds of stakeholders. With this knowledge and awareness that things are evolving, things are changing, there, there isn't, uh, the, there's more than one right way of doing things. And I think it's that perhaps slightly more nuanced approach uh, that feels exciting to me uh, because it means that you never stop learning. You don't wait until the next edition of Pinbot comes around. Um, you contribute, you're part of the solution in working out the best ways to do things. So at the heart of the community is, is this forum where we're writing a playbook together. But we also provide uh, monthly workshops, um, Ask Me Anything sessions, and office hours as well, uh, as well as templates and resources. And that really provides uh, the core of what our membership offering is all about. That's fantastic. I, I love that idea. And, and again, the power of the community coming together to benefit each other, right? We're not in competition with each other. We're all here to, to learn and grow from one another. I love that. So is the site, right, you said, mentioned you're in Canada. Uh, obviously, yeah. your neighbors here with us in the states is the site for North America membership, or do you think it's a worldwide uh, community? How would you describe your membership base? Yeah, I'd say it's predominantly North American, predominantly actually American, <laughs> um, but uh, but it but it's certainly global. So our kind of hotspots for digital project management, I'd say, are um, yeah, North America. Um, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. And what we're also seeing emerging since we launched a Spanish version of our website as well, uh, Latin America, Mexico, uh, we're, we're seeing South America as well kind of emerge as a digital hotspot as well. So um, yeah, it reflects it reflects the development that's going on in the world and and what's going on. But yeah, it's it's predominantly North American, but with a strong European Australasian influences. And, and certainly that keeps you busy, but not busy enough to start your own podcast as well, right? So tell us how you find time to include that into the mix with everything else. Yeah, you know, I've, I love learning from other people. And I think that the podcast provides me with an excuse to learn from other people, chat with them. And one of the things that we've done um, on the digital project manager site is that we'll have someone write a post for us uh, to write something for us, an opinion piece or uh, an article about a subject. And then for me, the podcast is a really good opportunity for us to talk about how we put that theory into practice and begin to unpick things a bit. And I think it's this deconstruction, I guess, that I've been talking about that I, I find really interesting. There's best practice is helpful and it's useful, but deconstructing that best practice is what I like to do on the podcast and work out, okay, how can we make things, how can we make this work better? How, when does it work? When does it not work? It, when it doesn't work, why does it not work? Uh, because the more that we can deconstruct things and understand how they work, the better we can control and manage our projects. So yeah, in our podcast, we 
look at the theory, talk about how we can apply that in practice. And we also bring in thought leaders as well. We had uh, Kim Watson on recently talking about social intelligence and project management. Um, so we like to bring in some thought leaders as well. But really, it's a chance to, for me to unpick the theory and talk about how we really apply things in practice. I think it's fantastic. And and obviously, hats off to you. You've done an amazing job building a, a brand, but the brand has now become so much more than that, right, with the community around it. So that's uh, congratulations to you for doing that. Uh, let me unpack and pick your brain on something. I'll, I'll turn tables on you here now and say, okay, digital project manager, do they work within PMOs within um, the digital agencies? And how do PMO leaders or a PMO itself uh, function and, and do they have a voice within your community? How are you integrating with the overall leadership of the collection of projects, right? And the, the project function within those agencies? Yeah, and I think what's interesting about digital project management is that often it's op- it's uh, happening in smaller environments. So there might not be a PMO. So many of our members will be in organizations where they're the only project manager um, or where they're one of two or three project managers. So yeah, often these projects are happening not in complete isolation from one another, but they're happening in an environment where a project, so there's there's an agency and they have a bunch of stakeholders or clients, different project managers are are doing projects with uh, different clients. And so the stakeholder management isn't, too complicated. Uh, The projects together are collectively delivering value for the agency, uh, but they're not, they're not kind of, uh, they're unique in among themselves. So the role of the PMO, I think, actually begins to, within digital project management, is certainly the case when we start looking at at bigger agencies or organizations. And that is certainly happening. Uh, For example, when I was working at um, DDB uh, in London, uh, we had a PMO. I was working on the Volkswagen account, so we had a PMO for Volkswagen. We had, you know, an ongoing relationship with Volkswagen. We'd be doing a whole bunch of different projects. One might be uh, the website redesign. One might be um, implementing solar search uh, onto the website. One might be building a car configurator. Uh, so all of these projects were managed by the PMO who was looking at, okay, how do we most effectively deploy our resources across these different projects? Um, how do we manage the revenue or the retainer that we're working with um, most effectively with Volkswagen? Um, so yeah, on those larger accounts within larger agencies or organization, that is certainly something that's that's going on. But for many of our members or digital project managers, they'll be working in smaller environments on smaller projects. So I think there's a real range of where PMOs exist um, and where they don't because the organization is just not big enough to support that yet. Well, and that just points to the importance of the community then, right? Because who wants to be out there on an island by yourself and where do you turn when you have a question or, or you're losing confidence, right, to get a boost, as you mentioned. So that community that you've built, I think, almost becomes kind of a a de facto PMO forum, not necessarily telling them how to execute, but just to to give them a bit of bonding or the birds of a feather flocking together type mentality. Uh, how much do you see from that where 
again, I don't know if you keep stats and I don't even know how you would keep stats on this, right? But what what have, what is kind of the breakdown between people coming out for camaraderie versus specific skills versus the process component? What's kind of the breakdown of the discussion within yeah. the forums? Yeah, that's interesting. So I think the the most engaged conversations are where someone reaches out and says, help, um, <laughs> what do I do? Um, and I think it, for me, that's really exciting that um, that elicits the best response and the most responses because people are so willing in the community to help one another with whatever issues they might be facing. And I think this is why the idea of building a playbook um, for me is so exciting. It's because I think the situations that come up, um, whether it's, hey, I don't know how we can resource this. How do we work with new business? And how do we resource this effectively? How do, we, how do I deploy my resources? How do I decide how to organize my teams? All of these kind of questions are things that I think there's different ways that we can play it. And I'm trying to build something that's that stands against the dogmatism of this is the way that uh, a prescriptive methodology or framework that says, do this, then do that. Um, for me, what's exciting is uh, actually, yeah, deconstructing those frameworks and saying, hey, there's parts of this that we can apply to different projects or different scenarios. So we definitely get lots of people in the community saying, uh, hey, I need help with this. Uh, we also have lots of discussions around, yeah, optimizing process. Because I think in the digital world, perhaps differently to a construction project, which I've never done, so <laughs> maybe I can't comment on it. But there's there's so many different ways that you can play it that there's different ways that different process that we can employ different sequencing that we can use there's there's so many different ways that we can make stuff happen and get stuff out the door so people sharing uh unique ways that they're applying technology uh unique ways that they're applying process or deploying their teams and really leaning heavily into those lessons learned i think is super uh interesting and also gets a lot of uh interest where someone says, hey, guys, I just use this tool and I use it on this kind of project. And what we've ended up with is being able to deliver something much more quickly or conversely, hey, I just tried using this and it was a disaster. Um, so really kind of leaning into those lessons learned and yeah, and learning from one another, I think is super powerful. And as you're talking there, it makes me think of how much you, what you're describing is in common with what we've done with the purpose-driven PMO at the PMO squad, right? We, I'm with you. The The formality of it is, a, in my opinion, becomes a barrier, right? So for us, PMO, we've changed it to purpose, measure, optimize. And, and within that, you how you deliver, right, becomes your way to deliver. As long as you have a purpose, you're working towards. And within our framework, the second gear of it is build your playbook, right? It, it doesn't say follow PMBOK, right? It's build what's yeah. going to work for you so that you're successful and it's outcomes over audits, right? It's people over process. It's how do you get the job done, which is what organizations have been pushing sales teams to do for decades, right? It's not, hey, did yeah. you update the CRM system? It's did you close the deal? Yeah. And, and in the project space, right, it's all about did you close the project? Did you close the deal? Not how did you do it? It's did you do it? Yeah. And what you're describing is I think in the the digital, the more creative right, to overgeneralize here, right, the more creative minds who aren't bound by the kind of the algorithm of how to execute something, you're finding a, a better way to 
to build the widget, right, to execute the project. Um, and I think it, more people in our community being exposed to, exposed to that way of thinking is going to benefit the, the project management community in general. Yeah, and I think I think that being outcome driven is is for me what's so important here when we're thinking about as project managers. What I often talk about is that we're guardians of value delivery. We're we're the ones who shouldn't be just blindly executing a project. And I think sometimes when we get stuck in the weeds, we can just get very focused on, okay, what's the deliverable I'm supposed to be delivering? How much of this is the stakeholders supposed to pay for that? And when? what are the milestones for making that happen? And we lose sight of the fact that there's a reason that we're doing this project in the first place. And it's uh, because we're trying to create value. Because if we're, if we're, there's no point in doing this project um, if we're not delivering value. And so being more value driven and thinking of project management as this strategic guardian of delivering value changes our mindset around how we engage with the project because it allows us to be creative actually as project managers to think through, okay, if I can deliver value early and often, uh, if I can deliver more value, then there's going to be a success. So how can I make that happen? How can I how can I change the way that we sequence this or the way that we execute this project so that we value starts popping out the end earlier than perhaps if I adopt a, a slower approach and we go through this really heavy planning stage? Like what's the what's the most impactful thing that we can do so that we can get some value out the door? And just thinking about uh, project management as being a guardian of that value and thinking, well, if this isn't delivering value, then we shouldn't do it. We need to change the project. And I think sometimes as project managers, we can think, oh, well, that's not really my job. I'm not the strategist here, or it's not my job. Whereas actually, I think as project managers, we have a unique perspective on projects about how much effort it will take and what the outcome uh, will be at the end of it. And rethinking this deliverables-based approach, I guess, to, to project management and thinking more about outcomes and delivering value uh, elevates us as, as strategists within a project and leaders within a project uh, rather than just administrators. And for me, that's super exciting. That's super empowering. And I think that is, the for me, the future of project management. Well, you're, I mean, you're talking my language. We're in lockstep on that. And so Guardians of the Galaxy, I think the, the sequel is... Uh, guardians of the project, right? And uh, we create some uh, superpowers and, and get out there in the Marvel universe and create our own project management universe. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we take some of the digital uh, creativity and project managers out there and start creating maybe a, uh, the digital project manager cartoon maybe comes next. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have thoughts about it. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! You know the reality is uh, great conversation. It's it's important conversation. We're sharing a lot of knowledge and wisdom, but we're in the middle of uh, the COVID world, right? Uh, yesterday, the United States here we hit our highest single day of uh, counts over a hundred thousand. Uh, in the United States, which I think is the top of any country in the in the world in a single day, and it's probably going to keep going up. How how does project leadership work in you know the digital world and the COVID world at the same time? How are those two colliding? Yeah, I think I think what's interesting is um, yeah how we do see them colliding, and how perhaps some of the things that we took for granted as digital project managers is but now becoming 
more mainstream in a in, in a COVID world. So I've been having some interesting conversations with organizations that perhaps were more waterfall orientated, who are now beginning to think about how they change their delivery models and process um, so that they can pivot faster and execute more quickly. Going back to that idea of delivering value early and often, how can they change the way that they uh, deliver value? So I think going back to kind of what we talked about, what is digital project management? I talked about the tool set that we have, the skill set that we use, uh, and the mindset. Um, and so I think f- for what we're seeing is the tool set is definitely being adopted more um, more broadly as people realize, hey, um, we need a way to manage projects remotely. We need a way to manage projects asynchronously. We can't rely on just talking things through or bits of paper and documentation that are getting lost. Maybe we need a project management tool that uh, enables and facilitates this. Maybe we need different ways of of working. And one of the things that um, actually I've seen emerge over the past six months or so is a couple of tools within the project management space uh, that are more AI focused. So artificial intelligence in project management uh, to allow us to become more data-driven and intelligent. There's one called Melly, uh, another called Perflow. And these are really uh, looking at how we use data in our projects to surface insights uh, to enable us as digital project managers or as project managers to deliver deliver more effective projects. So I think when we are remote, as we are in a COVID world, it becomes harder for us as project managers to see or sense some of those early warning signs that we get as a project manager when we're, um, you know, cruising around the office, um, just checking in on people. You get use your spidey senses to kind of figure out, you know, you read people's body language. Do they look stressed? Do they look anxious? Do they look happy? Do they look relaxed? Because that's, as a project manager, one of our first warning signs or indicators that things are, are, are good or not. <laughs> so um, I think what's interesting is this, actually, we're beginning to see some interesting new tools emerge that account for managing projects remotely. And so that that tool set and to give us those insights, to give us some of those early warning signs, I think is super interesting. So tool set is definitely something that's that's evolving, that's changing. But what we were just talking about in terms of mindset, I think is 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 also changing. When we're thinking about, you know, like those conversations that I've been having with organizations and they're turning around and saying, we know that we need to move faster. We know that we need to change the way that we're delivering. Actually, we can't have a project now that takes a year. Um, we need to we need to adapt so that we can deliver something in three months. So what can we do? And so I think thinking about changing the way that we work, and I'll use the word <laughs> agile carefully because I don't think it's as I don't think it is a methodology in and of itself. It's a set of principles and values uh, that dictate that really is a mindset. And it comes back to this, okay, how can we deliver value early and often? How can we collaborate more? How can we talk to users more? How can we engage our stakeholders? How can we build, test and learn so that we're iterating on something uh, rather than hoping that we've got the right idea, then finding out a year later that, oops, we built the wrong thing. So I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing tools change. We're seeing 
uh, mindsets change and, and methodologies melding. And along with that, it requires a different skill set. It requires um, these soft skills uh, to enable us to manage these projects effectively, which is difficult, right? When we can't necessarily read people in the same way, when we haven't perhaps aren't able to look over people's shoulders in the same way. Um, so it requires a new skill set too. I'm wondering, do you think the mindset, because I'm with you on this, right? It's We're having to shift the way we think. Do you think coming from the digital space, the more creative space, you're better prepared for that than maybe a traditional project manager who is more focused on process, right? Because they've got, they have a set process they follow. Whereas in the digital space, you're more reactive, right? You're, again, lowercase a, not to not to call this in the, the methodology mindset, but just being agile, more nimble, right? Do you think you're at an advantage to adjust to this new COVID world because of that mindset? Yeah, I th- I think so. I think for a lot of digital project managers, if you, if you were to go on to Indeed and look at digital project manager, even before COVID, what you'd see is that there's lots of remote positions. So being, re- being remote, working asynchronously, is something that within the more creative digital project management world, I mean, we've been seeing that for for a decade. So yeah, in many ways, it's not new. But I think, yeah, going back to the methodology, being more nimble, uh, being agile, lowercase a, with this mindset of, okay, we haven't, we don't have a lot of resource here. What's the most impactful thing that we can do in a short space of time? How do we collaborate together to do this with our stakeholders, with our team? How can we do more with less, uh, be more impactful and adopt this value-driven approach? I think that is something that is yeah, very natural to digital, the world of digital project management. When we're, work, when we're used to... When we're used to working with smaller budgets and tighter timelines and and figuring out how we're going to make something happen, uh, something that's effective, uh, but that probably is different from what the stakeholders originally thought they wanted or needed. So it's um, taking taking a problem and being creative about the way that we solve that problem. You know, when I was back in uh, college, and, and probably for you as well, there weren't project management degrees, right? It wasn't a, an offering so I think a lot of this generation of project managers have become accidental project managers because you, yeah. you couldn't be trained in it, right? You didn't, you didn't go to university or college to become a project manager. But that's changing, right? Now there are many universities out there uh, that are offering those degrees. How do you think that's going to work in, in a digital space, right? Because you came up as a developer, right? And, and then into a producer role, you you learned it from the ground up as opposed to somebody trying to implement a profession upon you. How do you think yeah. that's going to, how's that going to fly for the digital space? Yeah. Do you know what I think? I mean, there is a lot of value in education and training. And I know I know someone who's, who did a project management degree. And actually, I think it can fast track a lot of the hard skills. But I think the soft skill element, which is, Really, I think our primary role as a project manager is how we engage with our team, how we engage with our stakeholders. We're, we're, we're the hub of the project. We're the one that's facilitating communication. We're making sure everyone's talking to one another. Those soft skills, I think, are really hard to learn in a classroom. And so I hope 
with these project management degrees, um, there's an element of practical application to it. Because I think until you encounter for yourself these difficult conversations that we come against, like, I haven't got the resources that I need for my project. I haven't got the budget I need to complete it within budget. We haven't got enough time to hit this milestone. All these kind of challenges that we face day in, day out as a project manager is is something that theory can only tell you so much. And yes, we can discuss now some different options that you might have in those scenarios. uh, But until you actually go through it yourself and really get comfortable with having those difficult conversations, you are, you're going to struggle. So um, yeah, I think the soft skill component is the, yeah, I, for me, I think the interesting thing, and I, I wonder how they teach that. Yeah, it's a great question. And we've had several guests on that. That's been our topic, right? We talk about uh, emotional intelligence and neurobehavioral sciences and how the brain works and character strengths. Uh, several several of our guests, we've had those discussions, and you you kind of have to have experience, right, to get those. And and some of us, I, I think myself included, I think you're kind of born to be a project manager. I think some people are born to be musicians or athletes or singers uh, or lawyers, whatever. It be. But you know, I was born, I think, to be a project manager. I never have to think about it; I just do it. Uh, but but that's probably a small percentage of people. Others, how do you? I'm with you. I don't know if you can teach that, right? You have to gain that experience. Yeah. And I think the the value of lessons learned yourself is that, yeah, they're more more meaningful, right? So someone can share their lessons learned, but it's not, it's never the same as you having experienced it yourself and knowing, knowing, being comfortable with that stress, I guess, or that anxiety of making a difficult decision or having a difficult call with a stakeholder or explaining to someone that the project's going to be delivered late or that you need more money or that you're going to need to issue them a change request. Yes, partly that is the hard skill of creating a document. But I think the traditional project management at least focuses on the document and the process and not what happens around it. And I think actually it's the process of creating the documentation and engaging with stakeholders. Um, It's not about this document that I have at the end of the day. It's about the conversation that I have around it. And I think that is where over time we get better at having those conversations. We talk about the right things at the right time and not talking about things when we shouldn't talk about them. But I think the process around the documentation in as much as what we do as project managers, the conversations we have, the meetings that we schedule, the way that we interact with people, that is what's super important. That's what greases the wheel of the project, not the piece of paper that says, um, hey, you know, please sign here. That's not going to make the project happen. Yeah, and it, it makes me think last year I was invited by a, a university to uh, be a guest evaluator of the project management classes uh, they broke into groups and the groups had presented their project and how they would run it. Um, and myself and the other guest judges or whatever they want to call us, you know, we're pretty hard on them. And, and we were asking a lot of real world items that they just didn't have any idea that they should have thought of, right? There, there wasn't an experiential component to them for them to know stakeholders going to feel a certain way. How do I have to react to shareholder uh, reaction? Right? There was just so much that was missing. 
Um, but I hadn't really put it into context until you just talked. So I, it was great to be able to hear your perspective on that. Let me uh, throw you a bit of a curveball here maybe is, you know, you've seven plus years, almost a decade now of digital project manager. Lots of content, lots of community reaction, several guests or many guests on your podcast. What are a couple of the things that really hit you, right? It was like, wow, that's something that's really impactful or important that you could share with everybody. If, if they were that impactful to you, I'm sure they would be for others as well. Yeah, so I think um, <clears throat> a, cu a couple of things spring to mind. The first, I think, is um, around risk management. I think sometimes, and, and this, I, I guess, ties in with what we're talking about, uh, things you can't things you can't teach someone. Um, but I had a Kieran Bondale on the podcast, and we were talking about risk management and how we manage risk. And I think uh, what was really impactful about what he's talking about was just the way that we engage our stakeholders in that risk management. And I think sometimes as the project manager, we sometimes feel like managing risk is our fundamentally our responsibility. Uh, what Kieran was talking about was just a collective responsibility of risk. And I think that's so helpful, that mindset of, okay, let's collaborate together to make sure this project is a success. Um, and just validating project managers really in, hey, if this project fails, it's not necessarily your fault. Sometimes I think, you know, we carry this burden of, I have to deliver this on time. I have to deliver this uh, within scope on budget. Uh, or I'm a failure. But the reality is, if we actually manage our risks effectively, and this comes back to communication, this comes back to managing expectation and, and having an open and transparent dialogue, but embracing risks rather than um, shying away from them, I think is super powerful and, and can take off some of the burden of stress that we feel as project managers um, to be perfect when we all know there is no perfect project. Um, I think that's super empowering and releasing as a project manager to be facilitate the best outcome possible rather than feeling that they carry this burden of being the de delivering the perfect project, which is never going to happen. So yeah, engage your stakeholders early, be transparent, um, embrace risk rather than run away from it because it's going to, if you can identify it early on, if you can be transparent and have an honest conversation with people and educate your stakeholders right from the beginning that there's all kinds of ways that this could go wrong, then I think that's that's super empowering as the project manager. And the second thing that I would just say, and we've, we've touched on this, but this, this lowercase agile versus uppercase agile. And I think one thing that I think I was perhaps nervous about, I guess, what, coming from a... Uh, it, the digital world was the idea that, hey, there's one way to do Agile. And just because Scrum have created a framework for delivering projects that lots of people think is synonymous with Agile. Well, I mean, uh, Scrum and Agile are used almost interchangeably. And I think that's a massive problem. Yeah. Um, and I think just as a validation from talking to people, lots of people who are executing Agile projects, that they also share the mindset that you don't have to do scrum it's okay to not do scrum and you can still be agile and i think that is a massively important lesson for people to uh learn and and get their heads around 
guys, you can be agile and not do Scrum. You don't have to follow the process, the framework. Uh, it comes back to what we were talking about before. Make sure you're delivering value and that's the right methodology for you. Make sure you're doing it effectively, efficiently. Make sure that you're constantly improving. That's good enough. Don't feel like you have to follow things to the letter of the law. And I think sometimes when we're um, new in our careers, we think, oh, well, if I'm not doing it the right way that it says in the textbook, I'm doing it wrong. And I think there's, I want to empower people to know that you can do it differently and that's fine. Yeah, it's great uh, wisdom to have gained. I, I think that's impactful. And a lot of people lose that, right? They Again, they get so caught up in the process that they they lose sight of the outcomes. Uh, and you mentioned Kieran Bondale, and uh, we're actually going to have him as a guest on our show here coming up at the end of the year. Awesome. So, so I'll, uh, I'll mention that you referenced him as one of the key takeaways. So that's fantastic. And unfortunately, we're winding down, right? We're here kind of at the end of the hour. Uh, so thanks, Ben, for being on the show today. I appreciate everything that you've uh, provided the guests and the audience. Is there anything that you want to, any kind of last thoughts you want to share with everybody? And then also, how can everybody get in touch with you uh, to learn more about uh, the Digital Project Manager community and everything that you have going on? Yeah, well, thanks, Joe. It's been great being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's been fun talking about digital project management and the, the way that it's evolving and changing, perhaps coming more mainstream. And so, yeah, if it is something that's interesting to you, uh, head to the digitalprojectmanager.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those great places. But yeah, if you're interested in finding out how to deliver projects better in a digital world, uh, come and check us out. We offer a membership that we've been talking about that helps you get more confident, that'll help you get more skilled and connect you with other people leading projects in a digital world. And we also offer training as well. So if you're perhaps a bit newer to digital project management and feel like you need a framework to help you deliver projects in this environment or context, uh, you can find that at dpmschool.com. But yeah, come and check out the Digital Project Manager. You can follow me on benaston.com. But yeah, thanks so much, Joe, for having me on the show. Yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners, right? Without listeners, we don't have shows. So thank you for all the feedback we receive. Uh, Be sure to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to check out all of our past shows and our list of upcoming shows. I had mentioned Karen Bondale, He'll be our final show this year. Our next show, we're going to have Jason Westland, founder of projectmanager.com on. Uh, We'll follow that up with Cornelius Fickner, host of the Project Management Podcast. And then our first show next year will be Billy Mwape, who will be our first guest from Africa. He'll be joining us live from Zambia. So really excited for our upcoming shows. Also a reminder that we do record these shows and release them as a podcast. So please subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. And check out the Digital Project Manager podcast as well that Ben puts on. Finally, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the purpose-driven PMO and all of our project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. 
Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.